Hello and welcome to the Miko Pellet Hour. I am Miko Pellet, and I'm very pleased uh, to have as a guest today Rabbi David Feldman, um, who I think many people know from his, uh, you know, many many um, pro-Palestinian anti-Zionist uh, actions, his presence in so many different protests. I've been uh, meeting and discussing um, with uh, Rabbi Feldman for several years now uh, because I grew up as a Zionist Israeli secular Jew, uh, not really knowing anything about the ultra-Orthodox community, anything about their faith, and really not understanding why they were anti-Zionist and why they rejected the Jewish state. And I think that part of it is something that I shared, although it's clear to me now, having spoken to you and, and, and so many of the other members of the community over the years, it's clear to me now why you have the stance that you do. But I think for most people, it is very unclear why is it that members of what could possibly be, or probably is, I should say, the most observant Jewish community on earth, reject Zionism and reject the state of Israel. And the, and this is, you know, the backdrop of a prevailing narrative that says the Jews are the chosen people and the Almighty gave them the land. And here we see these ultra-Orthodox rabbis, men of great faith and, and uh, knowledge, saying this is not true or, or speaking up for the Palestinians. So if you would be uh, kind enough to maybe clarify that point uh, to begin with. Um, yes, thank you very much, Miko. Uh, yes, we know each other for a long time and we respect you and your great work, especially your bravery and stance. Um, yes, this information is very important because, uh, as you say, masses of people don't uh, know, don't understand, and don't realize what's behind all of this, which happens to be very crucially important. Um, I would begin by saying, before we start the theological uh, discussion, that what we always explain is you don't have to be Jewish. Uh, you don't have to be religious to understand that the occupation of Palestine, the state of Israel is totally wrong. Unfortunately, especially now in these days, we see this genocide going on where masses of innocent men, women, and children are being mass murdered. This is unacceptable. You know, you, you just have to be human to realize that all of this is wrong. Yes, there is so much misinformation out there. There's so much propaganda which drives many people to just believe those facts which are being presented to people without knowing really what's happening. This is a whole long discussion, but uh, we, we, we have to clarify this, that this, this is unacceptable. Uh, but what, what we say as religious Jewish people, even if the state of Israel would be in total peace with everyone, even if the Palestinian people would be totally happy, and even if there is no crimes and no injustice and nothing being done wrong to any human being or creation, it would still be totally forbidden according to Judaism. And I'll explain why. Um, first of all, unfortunately, there are masses of Jewish people and so many non-Jewish people who follow this narrative who believe that if you are Jewish, you have to support the state of Israel. Because supposedly the state of Israel and this philosophy of Zionism or this Jewish nationalism is part and parcel with Judaism. And if you want to be a good Jew, a good Jew to God, 
you have to support this national movement of Zionism. And this is totally wrong. Uh, the, we, we have to understand there's a great difference between Judaism and Zionism. Judaism is a religion, a religion only. All what this Judaism is, is the belief in God, the practice of his commandments, the fulfillment of the religion, the following the religion. Zionism is a total different concept, happens to be the contrast, but is a total different concept of not following God, not believing in God, just uh, having this national movement, supporting this national movement, and which is basically a new definition of Judaism. Instead of believing and serving God, you are uh, supporting or creating a national uh, a nationalism or a national homeland for the Jewish people. And this should never be confused together. And let me tell you this story. I was once on a plane from London to New York. And I sit down in my aisle seat. In the, at the window seat, there is another nice gentleman. And there's an empty seat between us. I sit down, guess what? I fall asleep. And I wake up later and I see the Haaretz newspaper on the empty seat between us. And I realize who my neighbor is, which is okay. You know, we can, we can talk, that's fine. And usually I don't push my agenda and my opinions to others, but you know, we start a nice conversation. We go into a long conversation. I try to explain them uh, my uh, uh, religious uh, beliefs and traditional Judaism all regarding to as what general Judaism and then what's regarding to Zionism. And I try to explain how wrong this occupation is, uh, human, you know, as far according to international law and to human rights, and how wrong this is according to Judaism. And then, then he goes by saying, regardless whether you are right or wrong, which I consider an achievement, isn't it? <laughs> whether you are right or wrong, I would never give it up. I risked my life in the army, I would never give it up. And listen what I told them. I told them I definitely understand where you come from. And I'll explain you why. Because there's a great difference between me and you. All what makes me Jewish is the practice of my religion, the belief in God and the practice of my religion. I happen to be Jewish by the religion I believe and follow. And I happen to be American by nationality. And there is no contradiction there. I can be an American Jew. I can be a Canadian Jew. I can be a Palestinian Jew or, or, or an Iranian Jew. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't affect my Judaism whatsoever. Yes, some periods of time, Jewish people had very much difficulties with practicing their religion because the, the, the nations where they were living in did not to tolerate Judaism. This was a technical problem. It didn't affect their Judaism as a religion. It affected their ability of practicing the religion, which, which was bad but it didn't affect the, the, the actual religion. Um, again, I'm an American Jew. All what makes you Jewish is your nationalism. Your Jewish identity is all about the Jewish nationalism. Now, listen, what happens if a question mark comes up regarding your nationalism? Then your Jewish identity comes on the question mark. And I explain this always to non-Jewish people. We need to understand where these people come from because these people are truly in a tragedy. Because when they wake up to see that something's wrong with the 
their new Jewish identity, then this is a tragedy for the Jewish person because the Jewish person would never give up their Jewish identity and they shouldn't. But the tragedy here is not that the Jewish identity comes on the question mark. It is this transformation from, of Judaism from traditional Judaism, which was only about religion, transforming this into a new nationalism, which is transforming all of it to this new concept. And then these, these problems come up, and then this, this new tragedy comes up, which is not supposed to be here, and which, which is a true tragedy. And it's not only a tragedy to those individuals. This is a true tragedy to our religion, to, to Judaism uh, as a whole. This is all just to understand the, the basics. But we can go to the next to the next step. But I, I just want to I just want to touch on something you said. Yes, that the Judaism of Israelis is all about Zionism, and I think this is true in America too, because so many American Jews who are secular draw their identity from their connection to Israel, and uh, and we see now we see a lot of that falling apart now as as more and more Jewish Americans are realizing and seeing what is happening in Gaza, and there's a crisis of identity. And I know that for myself, at growing up as a as a secular Zionist um, Jewish person, Israel was everything. And we hold on. I eventually was able to let go, but we hold on to the mythology of Zionism um, to a point where, if if because if we let go, our identity now is in crisis. And I went through that crisis when I realized that I had to reject Zionism. And had to find out who I was and where, how do I fit in all of this? Because unlike you, of course, the, the Jewish faith was not part of my of my life. Judaism for me was the nationalism. And um, and it gets to a whole another level because a good Israeli Jew, a good Zionist Jew, who is secular mostly, um, hates two kinds of people. And I remember this very vividly. You hate the Arabs because they're Arabs and you look down at them. And you hate the ultra-Orthodox community because they are backward and they are, you know, they, and they reject the state and they reject Zionism. And so we must be the real Jews. They are just this old-fashioned, you know, archaic kind of uh, interpretation of Judaism, which has no place in this world. That is how strong it is when you grow up as an Israeli Jew. And I, and I and I feel very strongly, too, that this is true here in America, too, with, with Zionist, secular Zionist, um, Zionist Jewish people. So I think you touched on a really, really important point. This crisis of identity and the fear of losing that identity is a large part of why they hold on to the Zionist narrative, even as we see tens of thousands of bodies piling up, they still hold on to it with dear life. And won't 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 admit that this was that this is you know not just wrong but 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 you know a, 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 hor a horrible crime. Uh, yes, yes, right. But th this is only one tool being used to manipulate the minds of the masses of the Jewish people. There is so much so much more propaganda being used. Uh, so many Jewish people believe Zionist propaganda that Jews are in danger. And, you know, the Arabs, the Palestinians will kill us all. And we have to fight back. There's no other choice. And this, this legitimizes each and every crime to the far extent with no limits, with, no, with nothing, which is also part of, you know, false propaganda, whoever knows a little bit more. Um, 
And I think this, I want to interrupt you one more time because you touch on something I wanted to bring up later, but I think I'll bring it up now because of what you said. You know, the, the there's an extension of the threat from the Holocaust to the Palestinians. This is part of the Zionist narrative, and it's a it's a very, very strong part of um of Zionist education, connecting the Palestinian threat, quote unquote, with the Holocaust. Now, the community that you come from, including you yourself, are descendants of Holocaust survivors, yet you reject Zionism. Can you can you elaborate on that? Can you explain that? So not only are you an observant Jewish community, like I said, the most observant Jewish community on earth, but your particular community, the Satmar community, are Hungarians, if I'm not mistaken, and are descendants of Holocaust survivors, yet you reject Zionism and you reject this entire idea that somehow the Palestinians present this kind of a threat. So please go on, you know, but, but if you can elaborate on that. Yes, yes, this 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 is very important, but we'll we'll have to come back to our the theological discussion, but we'll come back to that later. Um you know, this question you're asking, with all due respect, doesn't even start. You know, there's no question here. There's no question why Hungarian Jews or traditional religious Jews should oppose Zionism despite what happened in the Holocaust. Uh, you have to be Zionist to believe that the state of Israel or the philosophy of Zionism is a solution to the problem of the Holocaust, and which, which, which all of this is totally wrong. You know, the, 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 the movement of Zionism, well, yes, Jewish people suffered enormously. In the Holocaust, it was as you said. It was our families, it was our communities. The suffering in Palestine, in, the suffering in the Holocaust was terrible. But in no way should this or can this justify any oppression of other people, any crimes being committed to other people. And we, as Jewish people, because we know what suffering is. We cannot stand and we cannot tolerate to see similar acts being done to others. That's number one. Number two, despite what happened in the Holocaust, if we want to find a solution, if we want to find safety and security for the Jewish people, we come from religious communities. We are following the religion of our great-grandparents going back, back 3,000 years. We give our lives for our religion, and we would never stray from it. And we would never give up God and his religion. In each and every step of our way, in our life, we would never do something, or we should never do something, which is forbidden according to Judaism. Now, if the Holocaust was a tragedy, and it was, and if people would like to see safety and security for the Jewish people, that's a perfect and excellent concern. And Jewish people should be concerned of the well-being of the Jewish people and non-Jewish people should, because each and every human being should be concerned of all humanity. Uh, but we as Jewish people should not take a step which is forbidden according to Judaism, even if it's not harming anyone. Now, again, it happens to be that this is this, this is this is harming an entire people, but even if it wouldn't, 
uh, as Jewish people, if it's forbidden according to Judaism, and we'll, we'll come to that point in a minute, we would never accept that. Uh, and I have to add that this whole notion that Israel is the safety and security for the Jewish people is wrong. It happens to be that the, safe, the state of Israel or the movement of Zionism is causing so much death and destruction, hatred and danger to the Jewish people, not only in the Holy Land, not only in the Middle East, but in so many other parts of the world. We in the United States of America face hatred. ADL complains that there is anti-Semitism in the United States. It's on the rise. I'm not saying that there is no incidence of anti-Semitism, but at least what I was, what I'm aware of the last couple of years is just because of what is happening in, in Palestine. Let me tell you, there was, there was an incident a couple of weeks ago after, after October 7th, uh, and it's famous. It was, it was reported, well reported in the United States. There was a uh, incident in Los Angeles where a Jewish person was killed by a pro-Palestinian demonstrator. Now, there was all different types of reporting regarding that story. At least what I saw and what I listened to is that there was that Jewish person walking on the street and there was a pro-Palestinian protester attacking him with a megaphone. He was injured. A day later, he died. Then Yaila Pid from Israel was reported on NBC saying that this incident had nothing to do with what is going on in Gaza after October 7th. This was purely anti-Semitism. Now, do your, your research by, for yourself. This is everything available online. There are videos showing exactly what happened. Now, again, I'm not condoning any reaction. I'm not condoning any violence. I'm not condoning any crimes. I'm not condoning anything. I'm just presenting to you facts. There was an Israeli demonstration across the street of a pro-Palestinian demonstration. It was the Israeli protester wearing an Israeli flag coming over to the pro-Palestinian rally, antagonizing. I'm not condoning anything. But saying that this has nothing to do with what's going on in Gaza, this was pure anti-Semitism, I, I want to use a polite word, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And unfortunately, people in the United States believe you know, that Israel is here for the safety and security of the Jewish people. Palestinian people is the greatest danger for Jews and maybe even for the world. And there's no other alternative for Jews to be saved, even in the United States. And people say it in the United States. And people approach me by saying, you know what, well, I, 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 can, I, can, uh, I can go on, out on a demonstration and a Zionist person will come over to me and say, you know, you wouldn't be able to exist in the United States if there wouldn't be a state of Israel. And people truly believe this. And what I want to say is that this is a great danger to the Jewish people. Jewish people lived in Palestine and many other Muslim countries, and there is so much to speak about this, why Jewish people left these Muslim countries. There's, there's, there's a lot to speak about this, but Jewish people lived in peace, and unfortunately, we are facing today, we are seeing today disasters going on. We see so many loss of Jewish lives in addition to all other people who are, who, who are, who are in a terrible catastrophe. And this is catastrophic for the Jewish people as well. You know, you said to me, over the years, I've learned a great deal from you and Rabbi Weiss and, and many of the others that I that I met in the community. 
last time you and I spoke, I think it was in Chicago, you said something about paying, we talk about the price that people pay and how people that you know lost their jobs and so forth for standing up and speaking up. And then you said, silence is also a price. So you're out there and members of the community are out there supporting the call for justice in Palestine, rejecting the genocide, rejecting Israeli violence. Talk about this idea that silence is also a price. I thought that was uh, that was quite a profound statement. Um, well, from one hand, there is so much intimidation. Uh, what I said, uh, what I told you in, in Chicago must have been a long time ago. Uh, but uh, what we experience now since October 7, two of our members locally lost uh, some prestigious, prestigious positions. Uh, this, the, the, there is a price. There is a price that uh, people who are vocal pay. Um, because people are afraid to speak up. The reason I bring it up is so many people tell me they're afraid to speak up because they're afraid to pay a price, because they're afraid to lose their job, because, you know, things like that. And your comment was silence is also a price. That's right, right, right. Now, now silence is a price for, 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 for many reasons. First of all, first of all, uh, we cannot afford to remain silent when we are seeing what is going on. What is going on is wrong. If it is wrong, as people of justice, as people of religion, as Jewish people, as pe people of God, we have to speak up. This is this is our ob obligation as Jewish people, and we should not and cannot remain silent. And in addition to that, what is happening, supposedly in our name, is not only embarrassing to us, is not only a desecration of the Jewish religion, when the Jewish religion is being misused, to justify these crimes. It's not only a desecration of God's name. It is a danger for the Jewish people. Imagine that all these crimes are being committed, supposedly in the name of all Jews. Imagine no Jew stands up and says no. No Jew stands up and says no, that this doesn't represent all Jews. And no Jew stands up and says no, our religion forbids all of this. Then what happens at the end of the day is that the entire world will believe that this is what Judaism teaches. The entire world will believe that all Jews support this. And at the end of the day, what happens is all Jews become accountable to all what is happening. Now, again, I'm not condoning any violence. I'm not condoning any reaction. But unfortunately, this is fact of the matter. This is going to happen. I always say, you know, it's, it's not me. I said it before the Secretary General of the United Nations, but he said it after October 7th, that what happened on October 7th didn't happen out of a vacuum. This happened because as a result of decades of occupation. Uh, unfortunately, now again, no, no, nobody enjoys reaction. Nobody enjoys the, the, the price which is being paid. But unfortunately, this is, this is what, it, what, what happens when people are being oppressed. And especially when it's being done in my name, when it's being done in the name of all Jews, there is no option. Of remaining silent because silent is silence is going to be a terrible price. But but I have to add, it's not the price which is going to be paid which should drive people to wake up and to do something. It's justice and the word of God which is supposed to lead people and instruct people to do what is right and reject what is wrong. You know, in 2014. 
in the summer of 2014, Israel was attacking Gaza and, you know, thousands were killed. And I was in Jerusalem at the time. And I remember walking, I was near Mea Sharim, which is the ultra-Orthodox community in Jerusalem. And on the outskirts are these big, big boards where they put uh, all kinds of notices and so on. And I was just happened to walk by and notice one of these notices and it was a notice, you know, kind of cry to the heavens, you know, what are these Zionists doing once again to the people in Gaza and so on. And it shocked me. This is before I started speaking to you and and uh, others in the community. And, and I stood there and then I remembered that this community has been anti-rejected Zionism from the very, very beginning. And then after I began speaking with you and so forth, I was in Jerusalem again. This is several years later, and I met um, with Rabbi Hirsch in 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 Meashore. He was a leader of the community there, of Karta, and he gave me a copy. He told me about a copy of a book that was written in the year 1900, Orle Sharim. Orle Sharim, yes. Which is basically a compilation of of articles written by rabbis of the time. And it's a warning to Jewish people about the dangers of Zionism. And, and this was before the State of Israel. This is 1900. Zionism was really just in its infancy. Right. And it was it was prophetic. I mean, they could tell then. And, you know, just to summarize it, they said three things. Zionism will bring, uh, uh, will bring violence to the Holy Land. It will destroy the good relations between Jews and Arabs and Jews and Muslims. And it will cast doubt as to the loyalty of Jews in the countries where they live, you know, because Jews are a religious minority everywhere. And I was, so this is, so I was standing there in 2014, realizing that this community knew this so early on and wondering how and wondering why, and how was that insight and foresight available so early on? And again, then I saw this book and, 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 and I'm still amazed at the ability to see what, you know, so many others didn't, didn't see. Um, which is that this was going to be catastrophic, not just for the region, but for Jewish people themselves. Can you elaborate on that? Um, yeah, you know, I, I didn't live, uh, I wasn't around in the 1900s uh, to see, but I always say that way before the Palestinians felt that the movement of Zionism is dangerous to them, the Jewish leadership in the Holy Land uh, realized what is going on and they opposed it. Um, the, the question is why, how, how, how they understood this so well. Uh, let me tell you, there's, uh, we have documents. There was, in the time of the Balfour Declaration, there was a, a motion in the British Parliament where I think it was the majority, I think it was the majority of MPs at the time rejected Balfour's idea. And they said, and this is documented, they said it is going to bring danger. This was simple. Can you elaborate on the Balfour Declaration just for listeners who may not be familiar with what that is? Well, well, the Balfour Declaration was was what in 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 in, in eighteen ninety something, uh, where where Lord Balfour of Britain issued a declaration to uh, grant some land for the Jewish people, uh, which this ended up to be the foundation of the the coming state of Israel. It was nineteen seventeen. Uh, yeah, nineteen seventeen. Yeah, nineteen seventeen. Okay. And by the way, in the Balfour Declaration, he stipulates that obviously this should not affect 
the indigenous people of Palestine, which was like a condition, which this condition was never fulfilled. And it was a promise by Balfour, who was, who was the secretary of minister of foreign, the foreign minister to a Jewish millionaire by the name of Rothschild. Right, right, right. And, and, and then, you know, the, the Jewish community uh, worldwide, basically, was so outraged against this Balfour Declaration. I know there were some nicknames given to it, like to 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 embarrass it. The Balfour Declaration was so so wrong and so unaccepted by, by the Jewish by Jewish communities. Sure, sure. Like the, the, the well, the, the the main concentration of of religious Judaism at the time was in, in Eastern Europe at the time, uh, and many many Jewish leaders openly opposed it. Uh, and the same, the same. Just let me just say this again, so it's so it's crystal clear. So what you're saying is that when the British who who, were, who occupied Palestine at the time made a, the British foreign minister wrote a promise to a Jewish millionaire, a Zionist Jewish millionaire by the name of Rothschild, saying that the British government supports the idea of a Jewish homeland in Palestine. Jewish people opposed that, rejected that. That's what right. you're saying. Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah, people and, understand what we're talking about here because that's not the prevailing narrative. Right, right. And, and, and and you know what? Maybe maybe at this point, let me just elaborate what I what I skipped before uh, to explain what is the traditional Jewish opposition to Zionism, even without any crimes, even if it would have been uh, peaceful. If you if you allow me, just two minutes. Just um, a second. We need we need to stop in a few seconds. So okay. Why don't we stop here, take a little break. That's fine. And then we'll go back to continue that. On the other side. If you're just joining us, this is the Miko Pellet Hour. I'm Miko Pellet. I'm speaking with uh, Rabbi David Feldman. And we will be right back after this. So don't go away. Welcome back. I'm Miko Pellet. And this is the Miko Pellet Hour. I am spending the entire hour with Rabbi David Feldman. Um, of Natura Karta, which is an ultra-Orthodox, um, highly observant uh, Jewish community, and um, uh, which rejects Zionism, rejects the state of Israel, and actively supports the rights of Palestinians. So before we took the break, you were talking about, you, you, were, in, you were about to, to explain uh, something, so please go ahead. Yes, in, in addition to what I uh, started uh, uh, earlier, uh, that even even if you're not Jewish, you understand, if you're human, you understand that these crimes being committed in Palestine is unacceptable. But it happens to be according to Judaism, even if this whole uh, state of Israel will be in total peace, it'll still be forbidden. And I'll explain why. And, and I, I just want to add, before I start this, I want to say that when we say that the crimes taking place in Palestine is wrong, and if you're human, you understand that this is wrong, if you are Jewish, you, you you even more understand that this is wrong because all these crimes are not only criminal according to international law. This is not only a violation of human rights. Killing and stealing, oppressing an entire people are true violations of Judaism. But even if this will be in total peace without committing any crime, everybody is going to be happy. Palestine will deliver this state on a golden tray to the Jewish people. Um, uh, and, and when I say this, Palestine will deliver this. I'm not talking about Britain giving uh, 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 another land to another people. I'm talking about the people living in the land and the people uh, who 
might be affected from this will still be willing to give this to the Jewish people. According to Judaism, this is forbidden, and I'll, I'll explain why. There is, all what Judaism stands for, as I said before, is about the belief in God, the, the following uh, the Jewish religion, and there are basics of Jewish belief, which is the core of the Jewish of, 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 the, of, of Judaism. One of the one of the basics of Jewish belief is a concept of exile. Jewish people are in exile by divine decree. And if I step back one step, there is a famous concept which is always being used in Zionist propaganda, which is the promised land. God promised the holy land for the Jewish people. Now, this concept is a true concept. But it's being misused in Zionist propaganda. How? Why? Because they only show you one side of the coin. They don't show you the other side of the coin. Yes, God promised the Holy Land for the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This promise was fulfilled after the exodus from Egypt. The Jewish people were brought into the Holy Land. According to Judaism, we didn't inherit the land by our might and by our power. There's a verse in Psalms that says, Not by a sword did they inherit, inherit the, 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 the land. Not the, Their arm didn't help them. It was the word and the will of God who did it. Uh, this is the, what, what was accepted by Jews throughout, throughout all ages. Then, the land was given to the Jewish people, but it was given to the Jewish people on condition. There is a verse twice in the Torah in, in, in Leviticus that says, And the land should not reject you because you defile it. In other words, if you defile the land, if you don't, uh, if, if, if you are not in the level of holiness God requires of you, you would be expelled from the land. And there are many verses. We say this in Shema, we say this three times a day. Um, uh, um, uh, Okay, if you would worship idols, you would be banished from the land. Unfortunately, several hundred years after the Jewish people were brought into the land, they were warned by God through the prophets that you need to repent, otherwise you would be exiled. Unfortunately, this is what happened. The temple was destroyed by the hands of the Romans. Jewish people were driven into exile. But according to Judaism, what was accepted by all Jews throughout all generations, without any exception, that this exile, even though it happens, it happened through the hands of the Romans, this was a direct decree from God, a divine decree, which Jewish people are required to accept, whether it is comfortable or it isn't. And we are forbidden to end this exile by any physical means. Here's the point. We are forbidden to end exile by any physical means. In other this, words, we cannot fight and defeat the whoever is there and take their land back. Ex ex exactly. It's not only that we are forbidden to fight the nations who are living there, which is one of the rules of exile. We are forbidden to immigrate in mass immigration into the Holy Land, even without fighting, even if it would, if it would be in, in accordance with the people living there. Mass immigration into the Holy Land is totally forbidden. Individuals are allowed, and this was the case throughout gen all generations. Individual Jewish people did immigrate to the Holy Land, uh, not with the, with the purpose of 
taking power, not with the purpose of disturbing any peace, but to be loyal citizens, exactly how Jewish people are required to live in exile, to be loyal citizens in the countries where they live and be in peace with their neighbors. Uh, okay, now, this was accepted by all Jews throughout all generations without any exception, without any doubt, without any disagreements or dispute. Until the beginning of Zionism, the movement of Zionism, the philosophy of Zionism, which, which came about not by religious scholars, religious rabbis, or religious leaders. This came about uh, by Theodor Herzl and his friends, people who were not only total, totally secular, who didn't follow anything within Judaism, they were heretics, they didn't believe in God, and they hated God and his religion. And they rejected the whole notion of Judaism and even the Orthodox Jewish community, the observant Jewish communities. They right, right, right. This is, this is a whole different discussion. Yeah. was going to be for them anyway. Right, right, right. And these people, and only these people, could have come up with a philosophy which is so contrary to Judaism. Now, I always ask, if the philosophy of Zionism is in accordance with Judaism, if the philosophy of Zionism is in favor of the Jewish people, then how come brilliant Jewish scholars, leaders of entire communities for generations, didn't come up with this brilliant idea? And the answer is very simple. There was, in several occasions in history, this question came up whether we should buy some land and do some, make, make, make some kind of a country for the Jewish people. And the, the response from the Jewish rabbis was, no, this is not accepted in Judaism, and we cannot and we should not do this. And again, this was accepted throughout all generations. Now, this came about uh, by Theodor Herzl and his friends, people who didn't follow anything in Judaism. Originally, they didn't, they didn't even intend to use Judaism for their movement because their movement was nothing about Judaism. It was nothing about following traditional Judaism. It was a totally new concept, and they, 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 they had no interest whatsoever in Judaism, in the practice of Judaism or the belief of Judaism. They came to a point where they realized that they have to incorporate religion into the movement, otherwise they wouldn't have the support needed for the movement. Now, it ended up being a very strange situation where you have a secular movement and herit a heretic movement misusing a religion that they refuse to follow and using it to justify or to profit or to gain support of masses, which doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, it's just like, a hypocritical I think, idea. I think it was Ilan Pape, the historian, who said they, they don't believe in God, they only believe God gave them the land. Exactly, exactly. Um, now, now, again, this, this explains the real root of the foundation of the traditional Jewish opposition to Zionism. And this, and this is an opposition to Zionism, as I said, even if it doesn't affect anyone. If, even if it doesn't do, commit any crimes to other people, it is in total violation of Judaism and goes contrary to very, very basics of Jewish belief. But when this happens in Palestine, by adding so many crimes to it, which is not only crimes according to international law, which are true crimes in Judaism, this just uh, gets these violations of Judaism to a new level, which makes everything so much more serious. 
and you're not only um, uh, you're not only committing a crime between you and God, you're committing a crime between a person to another person, which is which is a whole a whole a whole additional uh, crimes in Judaism. Now, I always say there's there is no way to justify this movement of Zionism, whichever way you look at it, whichever approach from whichever angle you deal with this, this is totally criminal, anti-God, anti-Jewish, and not only, as I said before, not only a catastrophe for the Palestinian people, but ends up to be a catastrophe for the Jewish people as well. I once approached, I, I meet so many people, I meet so many Muslims, Palestinians, I meet so many Israelis and hardline Israelis, I meet all different kinds of people. Uh, I, I would have nice conversations, I would have debates, and I would be cursed on, I have everything. Once I met a, an APEC person outside the APEC convention in Washington, D.C. And I had a short, nice conversation with him. And I asked him, don't you agree? Because many people don't agree. But don't you agree that the creation of, Pal of Israel and the occupation of Palestine has caused so much hatred towards Jews and loss of lives amongst the Jewish people? And listen to what he said. Yes, I agree. But it was worth doing it. And what I said is, if that's your philosophy that's worth doing it, that's your choice. But I'm a Jewish person and I disagree. I don't want to lose my life for this wicked, anti-Jewish and criminal movement. And, and what, what I said at the demonstration a couple of days ago in New York City, we were, we were marching uh, on the streets and, 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 and I was asked the question, what I say to the to the issue that students in the United States complain that anti-Semitism is on the rise and they are afraid in their college campuses. And what I said is, I don't condone any reaction, as I said before, but if you are a Jewish student on a college campus in the United States and you insist to raise the Israeli flag and identify with the, with the state of Israel, without condoning the reaction, you have to realize, you have to face reality that you are going to pay a price. People will become upset with you and people will be angry. They want I, to condone racism and violence, but they don't, want to, they don't want to pay the consequences for condoning racism and violence, basically. And they want to commit whatever they choose to commit and then control the other side, how they react and how they become angry. And I, I said to them, I choose otherwise. I disassociate myself from all these crimes. I disassociate myself from the Israeli flag. And I have no problem. People love me. All those people that you claim that they hate you, they love me. And I have no problem. <laughs> That's very true. Um, I, I saw an interview a while ago with Rabbi Elchanan Beck, who was a rabbi in London, also in Turkarta, very outspoken and uh, during the interview, I think they were in the in the Besmidrash, in the in the synagogue, and the the person interviewing him asked him, "What crimes does Israel commit? What crimes do the Zionists commit?" And he just looked over at the Ten Commandments and he said, "Well, <laughs> thou shalt not murder and thou shalt not steal." I mean, it's that simple. That's you know? um, I wanted to ask you a question that comes up a lot about the uh, ultra orthodox community rejection for Zionism is that, well, it's only for all kinds of, you know, religious messianic reasons, but really it's not because they care about Palestinians. It's not because, because at the end of the day, they believe that when the Messiah comes, it'll be okay to kick out the Palestinians and take over the land. So can you talk about, can you answer that, 
Yes, very, very important. First of all, yes, people will try to do everything they can to dismiss our message and our approach and our beliefs, which is, you know, we, we expect that. You know, this happens all the time. Uh, but, but in reality, this is not the case. First of all, we are very, very clear. And as I said more than once in this conversation today, and we say this all the time in public, yes, we have a theological uh, opposition to Zionism, which is one part of our opposition to Zionism. And it's because we are religious, uh, this religious uh, argument we have against Israel is number one. But we are we have a very strong opposition to Zionism and to the state of Israel because of all these crimes being committed to the Palestinian people. And as we say and we explain all the time, this is this is criminal. We condemn all of this. All of this is forbidden, and there is and there is no way to justify this in Judaism. Uh, okay. Now, what what's what's uh, about the future about the Messianic era? Um, yes, our opposition to Zionism is our theological opposition to Zionism is because we are in exile and we are forbidden to create our sovereignty uh, during our period of exile, but here is the but that we need to realize and understand that people miss. There is no way that Jewish people can form any sovereignty by any physical means, regardless of the time. Yes, according to Judaism, there is an, the concept of the ultimate redemption, uh, an era where there's going to be a coming of uh, the Messiah, where all humanity will be redeemed. It's a concept of we say in our high holidays that all humanity will form one bond to serve you, God, in peace and harmony. Uh, it's about uh, the recognition of God. All humanity will wake up one day and accept the kingdom of God. There is a verse says, the world will be filled with knowledge of God as the water uh, fills the ocean. But in no way will Jewish people by physical means build a sovereignty. We leave this up to God. God, whatever he is going to do, we will accept. Whatever he's going to do, everyone will accept. It's not something that I'm going to force upon you or you are going to convince me. This is something that we leave up to God. That's that's very very basics of the Jewish belief. You know, um, many people know the term natura carta, and but they don't really know what it means, and they don't. I think many people don't realize. I certainly didn't that the, there's a larger community out there of, that is that is ultra orthodox and that is um, you know very very clearly anti Zionist. But natura carta is a group within that. Can you talk about that a little bit, maybe clarify what Natura Karta is, what it means? Because there's Natura Karta everywhere around the world, in, in Palestine, in the UK, other places. Right, right. Natura Karta, the translation of Natura Karta, it's Aramaic, is the protectors of the city, referring to the city of Jerusalem. This name was given to the vocal people in Jerusalem at the time when Zionism came in. Uh, to the Holy Land way before the creation of the State of Israel. This was in the in the late 1930s, 1938. Uh, there was already uh, opposition to Zionism before, but at that time it was more organized, and this name was given to those vocal people. 
uh, as being the protectors of the city to protect the city from this new movement of Zionism coming in. Uh, as you said before, because the Jewish leadership, the religious Jewish leadership at the time realized that this is going to be destructive, this is going to be dangerous, this is going to be catastrophic in so many ways, religiously, physically, in so many ways to, 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 to everyone involved. Um, this movement, these people are still around. Uh, we, we, we are descendants of those uh, previous generations. Uh, I personally am not from Jerusalem. Uh, my ancestors are not from Jerusalem, we are from Eastern Europe, uh, but there is still a very strong Neture Karte community in Jerusalem. There are many, many Neture Karte people who left the Holy Land mm -hmm. since the beginning of Zionism, and they are in many parts of the world. And that's, that, 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 that's one of the ways how Neture Karte spreads around the world. Uh, but there are there are also many European uh, people who are who are Neture Karte. But Neture Karte are basically those people who are vocal uh, in their public opposition to Zionism. But as you said, behind us there are masses and masses. Uh, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of Jewish people who share our opposition to Zionism, who disassociate themselves from Zionism, even those communities living in today's Israel-occupied Palestine, they, they, they try in each and every way to disassociate with, with, the, with the Zionist movement. Uh, many of those people, well, some of those people who are active, who are vocal, are harassed and intimidated to, to a terrible degree, as you, as uh, you, 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 I'm sure you are very closely aware of all of this. Uh, but even those who are not publicly vocal, and even those who remain silent, I don't encourage remaining silent, but even those, uh, we, we cannot judge those people because, as everybody knows, uh, if you live in the United States, you're even aware that being vocal is, is very, very challenging. And if, if this is the case in the United States, in Israel, it's way worse. Uh, but even those who remain silent, they 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 exercise their anti-Zionism in so many different ways, and they disassociate themselves uh, from the movement of Zionism. Masses of Jewish people sacrifice, do everything they can to not physically support anything that the State of Israel does. They refuse to serve in the Israeli army despite all kinds of difficult uh, harassments and and, and yeah, very heavy price for that. I mean, the beating, the arrest, the torture that they they pay a heavy, heavy price for that, and people don't know about that. The Israeli right. authorities really right. horribly, horribly, horribly. Right. And, and, and I want to ask you, what about what about? We see a lot of people who are ultra orthodox or look like ultra orthodox. We see them in the Knesset. We see them in a, in sub cabinet positions. We see them in settlements. Right. This is this is a very sad. Point. This is very embarrassing because, yes, you have some religious people uh, who at least uh, pretend to be religious and they. Okay, some of them support they Zionism. Did they just decide to accept Zionism? Well, some of them accept Zionism. Some of them support Zionism. Some of them are the, that radical settler movement who are, who, who are the most radical element of Israel. But many of them, even those, even some of them who have representation in the Knesset, doesn't mean that they are really Zionists. 
there are communities who, if you approach them, if you ask them, they will say, no, we are not Zionists. But in order to exist, we have to have representation in the government, as some uh, Arab uh, communities believe that they, some, some, some Palestinians, some Arabs have representation in the Knesset. Whether that's, that's the right thing to do or, the, or whether that's practical to do and whether that's more uh, uh, preferable than, than, than losing, I, we believe that this is wrong. This is totally wrong. But some people took that approach. Um, but in any case, if you see a religious person supporting Zionism, if you see a religious person killing, or if you see a religious person stealing, doesn't make theft and killing religious in any way. Unfortunately, it's embarrassing that that religious person is committing a crime. And it, 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 we always say that a religious person committing a crime is worse than a non-religious person because if you're religious, then you're desecrating the religion when you're committing crimes. It's, it's way more serious. But in no way can this represent the Jewish people. And what I will say is that some people blame Nature Karte of being traitors of the Jewish people. And I say that those people supporting Zionism are the greatest traitors for the Jewish people for two reasons, because they are violating and turning their back to God and his religion and endangering the Jewish people, while Natura Karta does exactly the opposite, sanctifying God's name and reducing um, unnecessary hate and manufactured hate, hate that was, that was, that was wrongfully created just because of what is being done in our name. Our, we are here for humanity and for the Jewish people. There's a book that I was given in Jerusalem uh, by Rabbi Hirsch, actually, um, about, uh, it's the teachings of Reb Amram. Yes. Who was a very famous Turakarta leader and activist, and he drove the Zionists crazy. I even remember his name growing up, but he was like this, you know, uh, a threat and peace, somebody that people talked about. And in this uh, book, which is in Hebrew, he's interviewed by by one of his students, by you know a young Jewish student. And at one point he asks the uh, Reb Amram, what would you do if you were in charge today? And the first thing he said was, the first thing I will do is I will ask the Arabs to come back. And the student says, what are you talking about? They're terrorists, they wanna kill us, they'll throw us into the ocean. And Reb Amram's uh, response is, who told you this nonsense? You know, we lived in Hebron in peace. We lived in Jerusalem in peace. We lived in Palestine and other countries. We lived well together. We, we, we babysat each other's children. We took care of each other. You know, we share so much. We have so much in common. You know, it's only when the Zionists came that the violence and, 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 and the problems uh, began. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's an important message for people to hear because the Zionists are pushing forward a completely, completely different narrative, you know. And um, and so I think this is it's, it's, it's really refreshing to hear. I want to say let me, one let me, let, let me ask you something. You mentioned about that when you were young, you knew about Rabam and that he was a threat to the yes. Zionist movement. And there's, there's a great question to ask. Why? Why would people feel that he was a threat? He was the most kind and peaceful and, and, and loving person. Yes, he was very vocal against Zionism with no gun, with, no, with nothing. Now, why would they feel threatened? 
And let me continue with the next question. Why are they threatened by today's religious people uh, opposing Zionism? The answer is because there is something that they want, they don't want to listen to. There's something they don't, they would like to hide and they would like to uh, silence. And people should not be aware of, what's, of, of what true Judaism is all about. Yeah, we have about a minute left. And uh, I think, I think you know, they don't want to ruin a good story with the facts. And so it's a lot easier to say that this community that has never carried a weapon and is completely peaceful and believes in peace is a threat and is fanatic and so on, which is, by the way, what they say about Palestinians, a nation that has never had a military, has never had a tank, yet they are the threat and Israel is the one who is defending, you know, is, is has the right to defend itself, so to speak. So, I mean, they're very good at pushing forward these false narratives. And then and then you have to reply to that in response and say, what, what are you talking about? How could a man like that possibly be a threat? But I think, again, in the case of the ultra-Orthodox community, the fact that they're anti-Zionist is a problem for the Zionists because they claim they represent Jews. And here are the most observant Jewish communities on earth and they reject Zionism. And I, and I want to end with just a thought you know, there's a famous saying by Bobby Sands, who was killed by, a, he was an Irish uh, fighter who was a volunteer who was killed by the British. I mean, he died of a hunger strike in, in a British jail. And there's a famous saying where he says, our revenge will be the laughter of our children. And when I visited Muncie a couple of times and spent time with you and Rabbi Weiss and, and the others, I saw so many children running around laughing in, in the issue, you know, going to school in the school buses. And I thought, the laughter of these childrens that is the response to Hitler. That is the revenge against the Holocaust. Okay. And it was very heartwarming. It was lovely to see the community grow and thrive and 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 continue with its uh, with its with you know with with these wonderful traditions. We really have to close now. I mean, we can talk forever. I really, really appreciate your time. Sure. Um, again, this is the Miko Pellet hour. I'm Miko Pellet. I was speaking with uh, Rabbi uh, David Feldman. And um, we are, stay tuned. Um, we have the next show, which is uh, Conversations uh, coming up right after the break. Thank you so much. So, I'm sorry, Soul Conversations. Soul Conversations coming up right after the break.